Well, hello. Welcome once again to In the Growth Space, where we discover new ways to grow our business, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host and growth coach, David McGlennon. And once again, I'm really glad that you've tuned in. And today, on today's episode, we have an amazing conversation with someone who is an American Ninja Warrior. So now if you're not familiar with the American Ninja Warrior, there is a television show that is called American Ninja Warrior. And there are a number of different obstacles that these athletes compete on and, and go through. It is not only a physical challenge, but it is a mental challenge. And we're gonna be talking with not only a competitor, but actually the first dad competitor, part of the dad and daughter team, the first dad and daughter team that competed in American Ninja Warrior. Let me introduce you to Chris Warnke because he's a great friend of mine and he's an author, he's a ninja, <laughs> he's an executive and life coach, and he's also a speaker. He's coached clients on a lot of different life and, and business topics, including goals and dreams and business results, career decisions, all kinds of different things. Chris competed on the NBC TV show American Ninja Warrior in 2017. He's the author of six Ninja Warrior books with his Heart of a Ninja series of books. He shares about his experience going through the ninja experience and ninja tips and, and then he has 12 traits of a ninja and, and tips from other ninjas in, that, in those books. He's also the author of a new book called How to Refocus Your Life. In that book, he conveys the power of conducting personal retreats. Chris is not only an author, but he's coached people from all around the world. He actually has coached me. And I am so grateful to have Chris on uh, this episode. I think you're going to really love this conversation. So let's get into that right now. Well, Chris, welcome to In the Growth Space, man. I'm so grateful to have you here and looking forward to this conversation, my friend. Same here. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit about... How did you get into this American Ninja Warrior stuff? I mean, I, you know, we've talked before. I mean, obviously, you and I have known each other for a little while, and I've followed you in this journey. What, what got you into that? And, and talk to our listeners about the, the American Ninja Warrior story. Sure. Really, the experience started when our kids were little tiny. Um, in grade school, we would just play. Dad acts like a kid when he's around his kids. Yeah. And uh, so we have just always tried to see how many steps you can skip and how far can you jump and can you hang from this and those types of things. And then about nine years ago now, my daughter ended up finding out about the show, watching it with my wife. Yeah. And then she said, I want to try that. So That's what cool. she ended up doing is looking up a gym that she could get to which she actually had to drive up to the Northeast, up to New Jersey oh, wow. to find a gym. And then when she showed up at the gym and started doing things like the salmon ladder right yeah. off the bat, the owner of the gym said, I've never seen a woman do that. He says, American Ninja Warrior needs to know about you. Oh, so <laughs> American Ninja Warrior ended up reaching out to Michelle, my daughter, and yeah. uh, inviting her to compete. And she actually, I can't tell you any results, but she just competed for her ninth season on the show. Oh, man, that's so cool. I can't wait to see. <laughs> it is exciting. So about four years ago, it was 2016, I, I came up with the idea. I said, Michelle, what do you think about 
us being the first dad and daughter to compete on the show. You know, they've had dads and sons and brothers and different members, but they've never had a dad and daughter. So she said, I think that would be really cool. So I said, so I need about 18 months to train, (laughs) to get this body into a ninja warrior condition. So I ended up uh, submitting application videos and then um, ended up getting to compete in 2017 in Cleveland, which they record those babies overnight outside with 40 degree temperatures. And by the way, there is water below you if you fall. Oh man! <laughs> so, so I have I have been hooked, you know, since the last four or five years now, and uh, I'm typically up at our ninja gym here we have in Columbus, it's her gym, about four or five days a week, and I conduct uh, ninja classes, yeah. and I uh, go up there, and I re- I use the term people talk about working out, yeah, and as a 64 year old, I don't work out. Yeah, I go play, play. So, yeah. and then I come home and I find out I think I must have worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I must. This is sore, and the, you know, right, right. Oh my gosh, that's so been cool. a great ride. Yeah. Well, how has that led to just some of your own personal growth? I mean, I got to believe that doing this, you know, ninja warrior stuff had to be a growth experience for you. So, yeah, how? Tell me about that. Yep, absolutely. I will tell you, I ended up writing six books about the uh, American Ninja Warrior experience that I've had. And I come up with the uh, concept of 12 traits of a ninja Uh that are in there. And there are so many things that I've learned. And one of the things I love about ninja is we all deal with fear. Yes. And Ninja Warrior is one of the best solutions to fear. Because you face it as soon as you step in the gym. Yeah. It's like, can I possibly catch that bar up there could i actually swing from it and then i'll tell you a really fun experience one of the first times they use the term lache and lache is when you are holding a bar you swing your body and you throw your body to another bar okay well the standard setup is eight feet distance so eight feet in front of you so they put some interim bars there and the first time that I looked at a bar that was four feet away, it's like, you want me to pull my body through, throw myself in the air and catch a bar four <laughs> feet away? It just scared me to death. Yeah, so sure. Now I have the ability that I can catch a seven and an eight foot long lache, which is, you know, I'm under six foot. So that's yeah. well over my body length up in the air. Gosh. So you face fear repeatedly in American Ninja Warrior. And one of the things that's so much fun with it is the community of people that you meet within the ninja community, because oh, yeah. everybody is constantly facing fears, not on their own, mm-hmm. but in front of other people. Yeah. So encouragement yeah. and the support is just so powerful. And yeah. it absolutely takes you to a new level because you're constantly doing the thing that we don't like to do, which is trying something I've never tried before. Doing something I'm fearful of. And it's just a fantastic growth opportunity. Man, that is so cool. And I'm I'm glad you you shared that because I think that one of the things I, you and I were sharing before we hit record about the work I do with emerging leaders. And one of the things that we do is we throw them outside of their comfort zone all the time. Of course, not on a eight foot you know, bar jumping, <laughs> but we do things like creating opportunities for them to speak off the cuff and to be able to do that in front of their peers. And I think that that's something that is a, an element that could be missing in a lot of our growth opportunities. And 
And so I'm just interested, like in, in hearing, like how, as you've done that, as you've worked through your fears over time, how, how do you meet the, like the next challenge? I mean, after a while, doesn't it just kind of get like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. But you know, talk about that. One of the really fun things is our kids ran cross country and track. Yeah. And especially with cross country, the term, everything that you strive for is called a PR. Oh, yeah, sure. Personal, Personal record. record. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fun thing in cross country, you basically run your three and a half miles. Yeah. So your PR is about one thing. Can I improve my time on my three and a half miles or yeah. five miles, you know, whatever it might be? Yeah. In a ninja gym, there are only, I think in our gym, I've counted up about 200 different obstacles that I can train somebody on. Wow. And the bizarre part is even across the 200 obstacles, I can adjust any of the 200 obstacles to be two inches shorter, two inches higher. I can take something that's four inches high and make it a two inch high thing that you're grabbing. So the number of PRs available, which to me, a PR means anytime I get a PR, the endorphins that just go wild in me because I have done something that I've never done before. Right. I'm a new person because of a new achievement level. So in, in my ninja world, I get to set PRs all the time. Yeah. And I'd say there's two key things that really help with that setting of PRs that I think will relate to the leadership topic as well. Yeah. One of them is I operate with baby steps. Mm, if I yes. can't get something, if I can't reach a bar, if I can't give a speech, can't do whatever, mm-hmm. I don't go and commit to an hour long speech in front of 2000 people. If I right. can drum that up. Right. I start with a speech to a group of 10 that's five minutes long. Yes. And I yes. get some experience and it's like, oh, I knocked that out of the park. Right well, now I'm ready for a group of 50 or 25, you know, yeah. and I can do a 10 minute speech and prepare mm-hmm. for it very well. So continually using baby steps. And then in my mind, the second one is one of the most powerful words in the American English dictionary. And it's the massive three letter word yet. Yet. I knew that's where the you're headed. That's awesome. Powerful I love it. word is yes. to take something that you're not able to accomplish, that you're not able to do, and put the word yet at the end of it. And what's mm. really interesting is there's a significant mind adjustment that yeah. has to happen for you to verbalize that I can't yet because we we build these stories in our minds that it's like, oh, I can never do that. This is oh I did oh, right. you know. But it's like, if you can get to the point where you actually say the word yet out loud, mm-hmm. you've actually just said, I have actually have a door in front of me, the handle starting to turn. And you know, down the road, when I pull this door open, I'm actually going to step through it. One little sidebar on that, yeah, David, just yeah. the warped wall, the 14 foot wall that runs yes. in front of, oh my um, I, I can now catch the warped wall. That's so cool. But I had to use a lot of yets. Uh, it took me almost two years of attempts mm-hmm. and going through my average of attempts per day and how many times it took me about a thousand run attempts on wow. the warped wall to finally yeah. catch it for the first time. Wow. So I needed the word yet to continually be out there, no matter, you know, here I am on the number 792 and I yeah. still didn't get it. Now yeah. I'm on 903 and I still didn't get it. But the word yet was still out there and I stayed with it and persevered wow. and, you know, eventually was able to catch the top of the work wall. 
that's worth this podcast episode in and of itself right there, because in the growth space, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Just because I don't have it now doesn't mean I'm not going to get it yet. And and I love that. Oh, that's so powerful, Chris. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. I would love to hear just a little bit like of what has the American Ninja Warrior meant to you just from a, your own personal growth perspective and like, how has that, how have you used it really like in quote real life, so to speak? Yeah. Well, if you come across an experience, let's say that you're walking across the street and you step down a step and you twist your ankle. Yeah. You suddenly get sensitive to everything that you're doing relative to walking. Okay. So it spills. Well, guess what? Success also spills. So (laughs) when you take the baby steps, I find personally, you know, that when I'm coming across something that I hadn't been able to do, Mm -hmm. I put a little extra pad. So I've got a little better reach or a little bigger pad below me in case I fall. But when I make some progress physically in a ninja gym, what that's doing is, is building into my head yeah. The concept of there was something that I couldn't do that mm-hmm. I actually now know that I can do. Yeah. So it spills into other aspects of life. So whether it would be public speaking, whether it would be conducting a tough personal conversation with somebody, whatever the yeah. case is, when you're at a place that you're conducting activities that are fearful to you, taking baby steps and making sure that you're living with a yet concept, you slowly, slowly make progress and mm-hmm. you have new victories. And those victories leak into other similar experiences that it's like, you know what? I've got this. I can do this. This is just like when I did blank a week ago, you know? And so your whole approach, I I love the the quote. I forget if it's Henry Ford or Einstein, but if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Yes, exactly. It all starts right here. Yes, absolutely. I love that idea of that spilling out into other areas because you you are so right. You can relate something to, hey, you know, I did this last week and I know this next thing that I'm facing. I know that I can do that too because of that back there. And so, yeah, that's, that's brilliant, Chris. The part that I was going to, I was going to ask you about is setbacks because I know that you've had a setback, at least one, you know, maybe more than that that I know of, but I know yep. that you took a spill. You talked about, yep. you know, taking a fall. And, yep. and so you, you did, you had a fall, you had a spill and, and you had to kind of work your way back. So what was that like? Yeah. I, first of all, spills are hard, whatever yeah. they might be. In my case, it ended up being a concussion and I ripped my forehead open and, yeah. and like so many other things, that incident happened doing something I've done hundreds of times previously. Uh, so, yeah. and people have said, well, at least you got hurt really bad doing a ninja cool you know, action. <laughs> and it's like, no, I was jumping on a trampoline to get to a platform so I could do a cool thing, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, but definitely bills are hard and they can really knock the wind out of you, take the feet from underneath you. But yeah. I guess the key things that I've been able to apply is one is being patient And especially at age 64, I don't think I recover quite as fast as I did when I was 40 or when I was 20, but staying with it and using that concept yet. So I have absolutely now, if you look at the big picture too, I think the big picture always, which is all about what this latest book is all about. But if you look at the big picture and you say, okay, so I hurt myself and it set me back for a period 
But look at the relationships that have been created being in a ninja mm. gym and participating. Yeah. Look at the strength that you have at age 64 that you've never had in your prior 60 years. I mean, yeah. at 64, being the strongest I've ever been, you know, that's amazing. Look at the places of fear that I've overcome yeah. because I've done this. So when I look at the big picture, people would say, oh, I guess you finally learned your lesson at 60, 61 when I actually, uh, you know, hit my head. It's like, you're finally not going to ever show up. And it's like, I cannot wait to get back because that one little spill in the scheme of things, which although is massive, and I've got a whole book I'm writing about the concussion. Oh, man. In the blink of an eye, because that's how fast it happened. That whole concussion slowed me down, but absolutely for the big picture focus has not shut me down. And I was immediately back in the gym within a week, oh, not doing fully all the things that I used to do. Yet. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but absolutely going back at it, being pers- persistent and not giving up and staying mm. with things. And probably the toughest, probably the toughest word in the in our vocabulary is the word patience. Yeah. You know, oh, and yeah. that's probably one of the key words is just, I love the whole concept of the compound effect. Yes. It's like what you yes. do, one little thing today, if you repeatedly do that one little thing, it creates a compounding effect. Yeah. Just like being stagnant repeatedly creates yes. a compounding effect. Okay. Right, right. So, yeah. So those yeah. those would be the key things that I, I feel like I've used and dealt with. And I don't want to minimize, you know, what it's like to have the wind taken out of you or to, to yeah. have a splash, splash or a fall. It's, it's hard. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely hard and it's tough. But I mean, it's also the other word that comes to mind is resilience is you have to learn to be resilient. You have to learn to pick yourself up and get back up and, and go at it again, I'm sure. So, yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I know that you've written a new book and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today in 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 your growth journey. Well, the, the new book is, is refocus. And so talk about like refocusing and what is what's this new book all about. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. The uh, how to refocus your life is the title. And it really is birthed out of my own personal experience. For over 20 years, I've been taking what I call personal retreats. And it stemmed from some of the books that I had read that Uh talked about the value of taking the time to get away and to think and Mm -hmm. to gain context. So for about 20 years, I've been actually doing that at least quarterly, sometimes as often as monthly. And I actually had a buddy back when I was in my corporate job, knew that I had been gone for the day and I was back the next day. And he said, yeah, you did one of your other your personal retreat things again. Right. He goes, tell me a little bit about that. And he goes, someday you need to write a book about that. (laughs) And so, you know what? The, The power of somebody's suggestion. Yes. You know, here I am probably, I don't know, 15 years later or something. Mm-hmm. And I'd written six ninja books, you know, yeah. so I've, I've yes. got those down, but it's like in the back of my mind, one day I'm going to write a book about what those personal retreats are and what they mean to me. Yeah. So where the power of them for me comes in is that it's so easy to slip into or get caught up in a day-to-day rush, 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 rush world. Yes. And I think it's Will Rogers that I think has the famous quote that I've used as a coach um, with, with clients yeah. in the past or, or potential clients that uh, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. digging yeah. Because... <laughs> It's so easy to be in the hole and it's like, shut up. I'm trying yeah. to make, you know, I'm trying to dig more. Right. You know, and it's like, right. no. And then, so as a coach, I tell them, you know, stop digging long enough to take a breath 
Yeah. And begin to think clearly to evaluate your surroundings, this hole that you're in, yeah. and to be able to think about solutions that can help you get out of that hole into the things that are most important to you. Yeah. So yeah. the refocus sessions, which you know, just the term most people would be familiar with as a personal retreat. So just yeah. going off by yourself. I have called them refocus sessions because for me, they provide so much fresh air mm. of just being able to breathe deeply. I, I yeah. almost look at them as a nice, deep, not a one-time cleansing breath in the midst of the chaos, but a few hours step away. Mm. And when I come away, one of the things that I tell people is I've, we've got so much on my plate that I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to do it all and everything. Yeah. I, I came across this concept and I do share it in the book called Matching Volume to Capacity that mm. is just so powerful. And if we've got the time, maybe I'll share a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. But if I've only got so much time, here's here's an analogy. If I've got three hours available today to do discretionary things, I've got meetings and other commitments, so those are going to happen. But I've got three hours available. The way that I end my day and feel really good about my day is to know that I did out of my 37 things on my list, I did the three hours of the most important things. Oh, yeah. So these refocus sessions are times that I sit back, evaluate what's going on mm -hmm. and what's going well and what's not going well. And then it's time to evaluate what are the things that are most significant in those two lists. Okay. It forces me to yeah. celebrate things that I did, did so fast that I just didn't even think about. And it's like, wow, there's yeah. a lot that's going so well. So it's yeah. a perspective giver. Oh, and nice. then on the things that aren't going so well, I then go through and I prioritize some of the things that were on my not doing so well list. Yeah. And then I rank order them so yeah. that I come away with a confidence that if I only have three hours, I don't have 37 hours today. Mm -hmm. That if I do the three things or the two things that took up three hours, yeah. but they were the most important three hours that I invested. Yeah. You know what? In the whole concept of matching volume to capacity. I never had more than three hours today. So yeah. why would I put the weight of 37 hours on me for today if I never had more than three? Yeah. So my goal is to understand the three hours of the most important things, yeah. to think myself deeply into them, mm. and then come away at the end of the day feeling great, even yeah. though 34 things didn't get done. Right. But you know what? The most important things for the capacity that I had did get done. Did get done. I love that, Chris. You know, it, it reminds me a lot of um, the thing that Michael Hyatt shares about the big three. You know, what are the big three things that I need to get done today to feel like I'm going to move forward on the things that are most important? And I so I love that that concept. What do you say, though, to a, a leader who says, you know, Chris, man, I like the idea of getting away for a retreat. I just don't have time. What do you say to that? My my first reaction would be if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. <laughs> digging. You know, it's like, okay, no, it. no, uh, I'll yeah, throw a couple yeah. more shovels into the uh, hole that you're in and you yeah. can just work harder and harder and harder and kind right. of stay in the same place. Yeah. The way that we make an adjustment is by stepping back and taking a look at what's really going on. One, yeah. I've got a variety of analogies that I share in the book, but I'll share another yeah. one that I think is a really cool one. And if you think about as a on the road, if you're driving, yeah. if you're intense, you're driving, you're going somewhere, you're looking ahead and you're focused you know, on what you're trying to do. 
and then you go to pass somebody, mm-hmm. that's great. As long as there's not somebody in the lane to your left, that's also passing you or sitting over there. Yeah. So if you don't take the time to see context and, mm-hmm. and you don't get away from the intense focus, I'm making such great progress on this thing. I'm making, yeah. It's yeah. like, then you don't have the big picture to make wise choices. Yeah. You need to stop, check the rear view mirror, check the left mirror, maybe even do the head check. And so, oh, there was a cart. Oh, it wasn't yeah. a cart. It was a semi, you know? Yes. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, Whoops. so in my mind, you know, and I talk about in the book, I talk about anywhere from taking an hour of stepping away time, which for some people yeah. is like a radical change for anything they've ever done. Right. Where I sometimes will take up to more like 15 to 18 hours. Of stepping yeah. away to evaluate what's going on in my life. And, yeah. and the reality is when you take the time to make that assessment, look at what's going on and what's what's you know going well and not going well, get to make intentional big picture choices as opposed to responding to the urgent. And when you have that context, again, I breathe deeper and easier. And my confidence in what I am spending the time doing is so much higher. Mm-hmm. And I think we can put so high value on every one of the things in our 37 list of to do's mm-hmm. that we don't ever take the time. And you, you, everybody's heard this comment, but I have to share it. Yeah. When everything's important or a yeah. priority, nothing is a priority. Yeah. So the refocus times are all about making sure that you're intentional yeah. about determining priorities. And making choices that best support who you want to be and what you want to accomplish. Yeah. Some things have to suffer in order for you to be able to make intentional progress on the most important things. Mm -hmm. I I can tell you as a coach, I'd say, let them suffer. And most of them aren't going to suffer forever. Right. They might just get delayed a little bit. And I'll tell you what, if I let something that's not as important slide and somebody gets frustrated, but I'm confident that the things that I did get done were the most important things. They can yell all they want. I'm living and I'm sleeping in peace. Right. I did the most important things for the true capacity that I have. Yep. So yep. that identifying your capacity is another massive, just eye opener. When people start to evaluate, not just say it's another day. I've just, you know, it's 24 hours. It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Figure out what your true capacity is today and work to fill your capacity. Don't take the weight of all 37 things on you. It'll impact your ability to be productive with whatever you are working on. Yeah. Got the weight of the 37 on you. Take the first one and get it done. Then the second and maybe the third. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. How do you measure that capacity? Like understand like what's what's my capacity? You know, do I have the capacity to do five things? Do they have the, you know, maybe not 37 things, but yep. do I have capacity to do 10 or, yep. or or just three? Here's the process that I use and that I describe. Yeah. First, I look at my schedule for the day. Yeah. Okay. So being a retired guy, I make certain choices. It's like I'm not going to do a whole lot of things in in significant evenings. So I look at my day and I look at how early I'm going to get up and how late I'm going to cut off working. Uh I look at my commitments in between there that I want to make. And then I pick up the I select the number of hours of time I'm willing to invest on progress on important things today. Okay, so the first thing is to identify 
your hour availability. Then I take my list of 37 things. And because it's 37, and it's going to take forever to go through and prioritize all those. I'm going to group them into A's, B's, and C's. And I'm going to probably use general mindset of what's important mm-hmm. and what needs to get done soon that is important, as opposed mm-hmm. to just urgent things that really didn't need to get done. Yeah. So I'm going to A, B, and C, my group of 37 things. Then I'm going to start with my list of 30s of my A's. Uh-huh. And I'm going to start to rank order the A's. Yeah. Yeah. What is the most important? What's the highest return on my investment? Okay. Yeah. Then I take my first item, whatever my first item is, and I look at it and I say, to get this done, what is my guesstimate on mm. how long it'll take me to get item number one done? Well, it's been on my to-do list for three weeks now, but actually it's about a five-minute activity if I just focus on it. So. Yeah. I take five minutes and I put it in my three hour pile. If that's the number of hours, then I take my second item and it's like, oh, that's a two hour item. And I do typically like to break anything down into an hour or less. So I might divide it, subdivide it into two pieces and I'll put that in my stack. And then I'll go to my third one and it's a 15 minute thing, at, you know, my guesstimate. Yeah. So I'll put it in my stack and then I end up having, I forget what my calculations here, maybe a yeah. half an hour left. Sure. So I take my next one and it's a half an hour. And so I put it in my stack. I take that list of five things and say, for my three hours, if I'm productive and I'm focused, generally speaking, I should probably be able to get these five done. Uh-huh. My other 29 go away. Yeah. And I don't even think, it's like I never had the capacity to get them done today anyway. Why would I put any weight on myself to have yeah. to get those done? So then I work through my items, one through five. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the end of the day, when I have finished that stack or that list and I've been able to check those five off, yeah. other than feeling like, oh man, I barely made any progress on the mountain. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the top of the world because for the capacity that I had, I got the most important things done. Yeah. A that. real home run is <laughs> those days that guess what? I got the five done and I still have a little time. I get to go back into that stack and grab one more. You talk about a feeling <laughs> bonus, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that is the way that I prioritize and then pull items so that I'm matching my true capacity. I yeah. think we beat ourselves up so much because of all the to-dos, and we yeah. disregard the fact that we're humans yeah. with limitations yeah. and other priorities. Now, if family right. is important to you then don't block any time for family. You know, if it is, man, don't let it step on it. Put family first. And then what is your true incremental activity capacity for the day? Yeah. Boy, I love that, Chris. That's so practical. Just very practical steps. And and I know that that's, you're all about practicality. I love that. What do you say to a business owner who is, you know, has big mission, they're, they're solving problems and they really want to be able to do all of these great things. How do you say no to certain things? Because it's, I know that when I say no to certain things, I'm saying yes to the appropriate things. And, and maybe that's what you're saying in this whole exercise, but I know it's really about saying no to a, probably a lot of things. How do you do that? And I actually would approach it a little differently. Like you just talked about, I would almost say that I don't approach saying no to anything. Okay. okay. I mean, but I am, but I don't think of it in those terms. Okay. My goal is to focus on what are the yeses. Ah, okay. Okay. When I get my three yeses or my five yeses, 
it's like, okay, I've got a bunch of things that haven't gotten a yes yet because you know what? They weren't the top priorities. Okay, okay? sure, yeah. So whatever the, the five or the three or whatever the number is for my day or my week, and actually I kind of define both my day as well as for a week. A lot of times I'll define my capacity. Okay, I think it's yeah. a 32-hour productivity week or it's a 15-productivity week. So you'll lay those things out. So if you're constantly focused on the yeses and you're confident, that the yeses are truly the most important things, Mm -hmm. then the rest of the stuff isn't no, it's just, it's not yet ready for a yes. Just now. Yeah, sure. Rather than feeling like, oh, that means I'm not going to, and I'm not going to, it's like, no, 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 focus on the yes, I am going to's. Yeah. And as long as they're the most important ones, I'm willing to live with the consequences of the other ones that didn't get a yes yet. Mm, Yeah, that's a good perspective. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I appreciate you sharing that with me. This idea of a personal retreat, what's what's like a good rhythm to, you know, to to have somebody think about a, a retreat to be able to do this refocusing? Do you have a, a particular rhythm that you you go through One and, and things, maybe even talk to about your like your corporate life? Because when you were in corporate life, you say you, you were doing this yep, back then. Yep. OK, I, I absolutely was. So I got buy in from my wife that I would be taking a day off here and there and I would be going and doing personal retreats and, you know, using my vacation time. Sure. To go make sure that I got context. But I, I talk in the book, I provide three levels, basically, okay. of each of the things. I provide three levels of a refocus session. So okay. somebody that's never taken the time to get away and mm-hmm. hasn't, it's like, how do you do this type of thing? I provide an outline for a basic level. And I think I use the terms five feet deep, 20 feet deep, and 50 feet deep. Yeah. So I, I do the 50 foot deep. I'm, you know, I, I sure. just, course, I believe in the concept. So I'm basically doing that. But if you've never done this before, then I provide a simplistic version where you can still gain value in an hour or two or three away. And I have found that when you're too open and too wide, it's difficult to make progress on anything. Focus and structure bring so much value to us. So -hmm. that's where the three levels each have a level of structure and they get more complex and deeper as you go into the three different levels. So, but I absolutely have a typical routine. It includes some assessment time. It includes some prioritization time. It includes some just stopping and observing lifetime at the very front end. Yeah, like so good. when you stop to just look around and just get context, no matter where you are, it's like we just blow by things so fast because we're so focused and we're making so much <laughs> progress. But miss are it. we really making it on the right things? And are we confident that it's on the right thing? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And so what's the importance? So, you know, obviously you know, being able to kind of stop and look around and enjoy life, but like beyond that, what else? I mean, what else would you say to somebody who, like, if you were trying to kind of quote sell me on yeah. taking this retreat, because first of all, I believe in it and, and I love it. What would you say is the, are some of the benefits? Um, I, I would start by saying, if you are totally happy with your life, your intention and your productivity, do not waste your time thinking about what's going on and what's important to you. Because apparently you were already living it. You got it. Yeah, right. You got it down. Now, if you're not and you're overwhelmed, stop digging. Yeah. If you've got too many things and too much pressure going on, stop digging. Mm -hmm. Just give it a shot. You don't need my 15 to 18 hours of just really diving into various aspects of my life. You know, try an hour. 
of yeah. just getting away with a blank pad of paper. Again, I provide some good structure in the book. So actually, one of the things I address in the book is like, okay, so you convinced me I'm going to go do this. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I went yeah. and I sat for, for an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got nothing from it. Well, it's like right. I provide structure so that yeah. you've got intentional things to be able to that's take good. the time to be able to think through. Because that's really one of the distinctions of the 50-footer is rather than just saying what's going well and what's not going well, mm-hmm. I go through various aspects of my life, you know, mm-hmm. and I say, mm-hmm. okay, so from a physical health standpoint, how am I doing? I yeah. say, you know, from a business, from a coaching standpoint, how am I doing? Right. From a relationship with my kids, how am I doing? So I end up doing a little bit more focus rather than just let's see what comes to my mind. Yeah. But if you don't have the time to go into each area and evaluate it and think about it, then it still provides tremendous value to just see what comes to mind with a little less structure, but yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would think too, that just being very intentional with your approach to this process and, and really anybody, I think anybody that wants to be intentional with the way they live their life and living the life on purpose rather than, you know, by default. Right. I think that that's, that's one of the things that I would say is, so important to do one of the reasons why it's so important to do this and to be able to really take time out to be able to think more intentionally about about your life in general yep. well watch a critical basketball game there's so much pressure what's the coach do yeah time out yeah okay we're gonna Absolutely. just stop 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 everything just yep. it's, it's, it's not for the next two hours you know they get right. the 30 seconds or one minute right you know? exactly. so it's like it's yeah. not forever yeah. and uh but it's the same it. type of thing. Yeah. And I, I just drool when, uh, I mean, they're, they're my favorite times because I come away yeah. with context about my life. Yeah. And yeah. everything that I'm doing then can be intentional yeah. or on purpose as opposed to reactionary. For any any leader who wants to grow, if they want to do it intentionally, which I mean, if you let's face it, if you're going to grow, you need to do it intentionally. If you want to do that, then it's time to take a time out. And it's it's good to take a time out. And my rhythm right now has been like a quarterly focus and where I take a quarterly review of the previous quarter and a quarterly preview of the same day, you know, preview the, 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 the quarter ahead. But that, that gives me the ability, the kind of that timeout to be able to refresh and to be able to breathe and just go, ah, okay. Wow. Look, I did some really cool things this last quarter that that was progress measure my gain. And then look at the quarter ahead and do some planning. But it, it's really, I think it is all about intentionality, Chris. And, and that to me, that's, I think that's one of the biggest things that I could say about this process is that being intentional and having living your life on purpose rather than, you know, just allowing it to happen and, and by default. Right. Creating and ensuring the legacy that you want to leave exactly. um, as opposed to, hey, he was the best reactionary guy that I've ever met. <laughs> right. You know? It's right. just uh, not the not the reputation that I want to have. No, I, I want to be the guy that's like, can't believe how much impact and success he had on the important things of life because yeah. he continued to say yes to the most important things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's so powerful. Tell me, first of all, how do how do people get a hold of your book? And then how do we, you know, get connected with you? Yep. So the uh, books are available out on Amazon.com. Okay. Uh, if you just search Chris Warnke, all uh, seven of my books, and I've got my eighth book on the way. Love Actually, it. My, my ninth book is on the way as well. Oh, my <laughs> but, gosh. Uh, 
We've nice. got the next two, hopefully, that they're still going to happen within the year. So, oh, um, fantastic, man. Um, but uh, yeah, just on Amazon. And then people can find out and gain information from me. I'm at Chris Warnke at uh, gmail.com from an email standpoint. Okay. And also I'm on Facebook as Chris yeah. Warnke, Twitter and LinkedIn as Chris Warnke. They can reach out that way. You have a website, uh, welldone-life.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that just really wants to have a positive impact. Yeah. And David, I don't know if we have time, but I, yeah. I would love to share two or three things that are just extra tools at the back of the book. I would love it. Yeah, please do. So yeah, these absolutely. are just, I'm going to just little tidbits. So one, yeah. we've already talked, talked about matching volume to capacity. So I yep. go into that in the back. Yep. Um, there was a concept I came across a number of years ago. I'm, I think I shared this with you even maybe called writing your last letter. Oh, yes. Which is did. about yes. literally writing a letter to family yes. if by chance you were to die quickly mm-hmm. and you didn't have a chance to say what you want to say. I will tell you, you talk yeah. about a powerful mindset and yeah. a, a, an orientation to write from. Yeah, uh, I go into a little bit about the last letter concept. I do something um, I share about my ELM. ELM is called the Easy Love Matrix. It's a oh, little nice. different than you might think. Okay. It's a matrix that you basically take your responsibilities that you're doing and yeah. you put them into a four box matrix. The yeah. things that are easy for you to do and hard for you to do. Yeah. The things that you love to do and that you hate to do on the yeah. bottom. Okay. And literally, you take all of your key responsibilities of your job, of organization you support or whatever, yeah. and you dump them. Where does that activity fall? Okay. I've used that for myself to figure out ways, both personally and with my boss, to be able to move things that don't come as naturally to me, yeah. or I just hate doing them mm-hmm. to somebody that has a bent that that way. Oh, um, because nice. we're all different. We all have unique uh, skills and sets. I've yeah. also them as a team. So I've had my all of my direct reports complete them. And okay. then I worked one-on-one with each of the direct reports to find things that they don't do as well so that I can move them to somebody else on my team that actually has that same type of thing up in their love and easy to do mode. And yeah. you talk about a supporting your staff and becoming wow. more productive. So yeah. the ELM is uh, is covered in there. I absolutely share my journaling process that I do. So many people have tried journaling like I had in the past yep. and have not been able to stay with it. So I've got three levels of journaling that you can oh, do. Cool. Tried it and it hasn't worked in the past that yeah. I think can be really, really powerful. I've got an energy management matrix talking oh, about what are you doing to generate energy within your yeah. life and what are you doing to leverage the energy that you do have? Because I'm absolutely of the mind that far more important than time management Yes. Is energy management because totally not agree. all minutes are created equal. That's so true. <laughs> so, so, so there's just true. so many different additional pieces at the back of the book that oh are just extra gosh. tools that aren't tied in, even with the specifically refocus that I wanted to make sure that I had a chance to share. Absolutely. Those are powerful, Chris, man. I'm, I'm so glad you you shared those because I can see like my head spinning about, you know, different things and, and ways to use those tools. So I, I love that. I, I know we're kind of getting close to our time here, but are there any other things that you want to share today with the, the listeners that you feel like would be really important for them to know, whether it's about, you know, facing their fear, you know, in, in the realm of the American Ninja Warrior or, or just refocusing their life and, and, and really focusing in on on those things that are most important to them. The thing that pops into my mind the most is just a quick analogy to continually remind you 
to focus on the big picture, which is, again, my theme is if you literally use your finger and you put a finger up in front of you, what will happen is your eyes are drawn to the thing that's closest and in front of you. Yeah. If that task that you're working on is so important, the background is a blur. Yeah. Unless we intentionally take our focus just for a little while off of that detail and look beyond the finger and see the big picture, we miss the entire context. One analogy that I love is Mm -hmm. some of us don't have one thing that was going on. Guess what? We have five things that are going on right in front of us and it's blocking that much more of your vision. And the closer you get to focusing on those individual things, especially if you don't have the context, you know what happens to your eyes? They get crossed. crossed. (laughs) Yeah, That's the way it's so easy to slip into living life that way. Yeah. So think in terms of seeing the big picture. Don't let your eyes be drawn exclusively. We absolutely need to focus on the detail, but don't let it be exclusively on the detail right in front of you. Make sure that you look beyond and see the big picture. Oh man, that's, that's so good, Chris. I'm really grateful that you were here today and grateful for what you've shared and, and just the wisdom and the practicality of it as well. I really do. I really appreciate that. So thanks so much for being here. Let me just also, just for those of you who are listening, I just want to encourage you go out and and get this book. I know Chris personally, I mean, he's coached me and and I I just know that practicality of of this book and, and also the tools of being intentional are so powerful and so important. And I just want to encourage you to go out and, and, and get this book. So that's, my pitch. (laughs) So go ahead, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I absolutely love talking about the concepts of how people can move forward and become more intentional with their life. I'm glad to have been able to produce the tool of the book. And, uh, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to just share my heart and my experiences to to hopefully encourage many today that have an opportunity to listen in. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris. And can't wait for those other books that are coming out too. So you're really being uh, prolific uh, in your pro-tirement. So <laughs> well, the goal is 20 by the age of 70. So I've got six more years to uh, to finish out. Seven done, eight is on the way. So nice. about 12 more to go. Well, you got your work cut out for you, man. Thanks again, my friend. Thank you for being here. Thanks, David. I sure appreciate it. You got it, man. Well, I hope that you got as much from that conversation as I did. I sometimes interview these people and really it's for my benefit as much as yours. And today was no exception. You know, Chris really brought some key concepts. I thought that I I just wanted to highlight here at the end. I really loved the the part where he talked about power of a three-letter word, yet, Y-E-T, and, and I think that just being able to use that word helps us to be able to have a growth mindset. And, and having a growth mindset is knowing that I'm going to attempt something, I'm going to fail, I'm going to attempt something again, and I'm going to fail. And I may need to have 1,000 
different attempts at something before I can actually achieve it. But that process of the yet, I think is really, really important. The other thing that I thought was really cool too, and and, and really something that I keyed in on was that success spills. And so, when we have success and when we have personal records that we can look to and we measure that gain, I think that is so important to help us to continue to grow and to continue to push forward. And then, of course, his new book called How to Refocus Your Life, I just think is an amazing idea of taking these little retreats and taking time away to be able to refocus our life. I really hope that you go out and grab Chris's book, How to Refocus Your Life, and we'll put those, how to get that in the show notes. But I really, really enjoyed this conversation. For those of you who know me, you may find me on an American Ninja Warrior training camp sometime (laughs) because uh, I think this is such a great tool for growth and learning. But thank you so much for uh, tuning in again today. Please make sure that you go out and subscribe. Uh, Give us a a five-star rating and, and review us. That really just helps us to continue to help other people learn how to grow, learn how to not only grow themselves, but grow their teams and grow their businesses. And you're not gonna want to miss next week's episode, episode 35, with somebody by the name of Michael Ray. If you have never met Michael, you are going to be really uh, awakened and, and amazed. This guy is got such a personal authenticity. He's got great story of growth and, and incredible resilience, and he makes others smile. That's really pretty much his life mission. So tune in next week for the, the conversation that I have with uh, the amazing Michael Ray. And until next time, Remain in the growth space and be well. 